This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Burkett, CSW. I'm here with three new guests this time around. If you would introduce yourselves. I'm Nicole Silvestri, wine uh, enthusiast. My name's Joey Estrada. I like wine. Next. He's also a winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> and Molly is a note. So what we're doing here today is Alabama. We've got here the 2013 Cabernet Sauvignon American Oak from Morello Winery. It's located in uh, northern Alabama in the, in the higher elevation areas. Alabama right now has six wineries. The history of Alabama wine post-prohibition begins on uh, June 6, 1979, when the Alabama's Farm Winery Act was passed by Governor Fob James. Most of the credit for literature goes, according to uh, Hudson Cattell in Wines of Eastern North America, Jim and Marianne Edens, who established Perdido Vineyards in Perdido, Alabama. Uh, he planted the first 50 acres of muscadines in 1972, which were originally sold to Florida. And then after the winery uh, in Florida closed, after the owner died of that winery, he sought uh, basically for a winemaking law in the state. So the bill basically permitted a native farm winery to produce up to 100,000 gallons of wine a year. And it could sell not only to the Alcohol Liquor Board or the ABC Board, but also wholesalers, retailers, and consumers for off-premise uh, consumption. And so the vineyard actually reopened, or I guess opened for the first time in 1980. Most of the growing, as uh, you would expect from this uh, discussion, is coming from muscadine varietals. But there is some vinifera being grown in the north by a couple different vineyards. Morella is one of them. They're growing Cab Sauve, Cab Franc, and a few others on site. Two farm wineries got their start in, in the 1980s. Braswell's Winery in Dora, and then Susan and Kelly Bryant opened Bryant's Vineyard in Talladega. Wikipedia tells us that the wine industry in Alabama received a further boost in 2002 when additional agricultural reforms even listed these restrictions on the wineries. But again, most of them are growing French hybrid varietals and muscadines because of vulnerability to Pierce disease, which is a, a big craziness in the Deep South. And we do get it here in Arizona, but it's not as prominent or as much of an issue as it is down there, apparently. As of now, there are no designated American Viticultural Areas, or AVAs, in Alabama. Like I said, there's only about six wineries there currently. This is one of about three wineries that's growing Finifera that's not sourcing it from California, whether concentrate or grapes. They're actually growing them on site. So this is a state grown. Nicole, would you read to us the label? Sure. So we have uh, Morella Winery, established in 2005. Cabernet Sauvignon Reserve, vintage 2013 from Alabama. Alcohol content is 12.5% by volume, proprietor grown and bottled. So that means estate grown. Which you can't use the words estate grown if you're not an AVA, basically. So this is their way of denoting that, hey, this is coming from our actual vineyard site. We're not sourcing these grapes in California. Um, Could you read the back of the label, though? (laughs) 
So Morella Estate Farm Vineyard and Winery are located in the picturesque foothills of Appalachian Mountains, established in 2005 by the Lee family. Morella Family Vineyards and Winery is the realization of my dream of a family wine business. We promise the embracement of the principle to make the fine wine. Wines of distinction that represent the finest varietal. So Cabernet Sauvignon is definitely uh, one, considered to be one of the finest varietals. It's one of those classic varietals that everybody knows. And it's well-deserved its fame. It's actually, of course, a, as I think I mentioned in a previous episode, a hybrid, um, sorry, not a hybrid, der, a cross between Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Franc. And this Cab Sauv is weird. Uh, not bad weird at all. It's just very different from any Cab Sauv that we've ever had. And Joey is lurking out there in the corner, uh, smoking a cigarette, uh, which I should have told him not to during this podcast, because uh, I was going to ask him for his thoughts as a winemaker, but now he's lurking outside, so we'll talk oh, about it. Oh, I can still... I have my notes. Like, I, I was... As a winemaker, I'm pretty sure it's not filtered, which would make sense because it's expensive. But you're lurking over the, way, over the way over there. The microphone's not going to pick you uh, up that well. I'm coming. That's the problem. Sorry, Sorry guys. This podcast is going to be a bit of a train wreck because Joey made for us all this really fantastic dish tonight. And we've had a couple of different wines beforehand. Uh, we have reset our palates before this one, of course, to really give it the, the examination it, it deserves. But at the same time, we're all a little... Um, Right now. Shout out to Effie's Oatcakes. Effie's, if you're looking for sponsorship, hit up uh, hit up this podcast. Sure. Well, why not? Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah. They're eating like Danish cookies in a box. I mean, they're not Danish cookies because they, they don't have, a, they're not in a box that a is equally can. likely to contain sewing material. Yeah, a tin can. They're a biscuit for tea and a cracker with cheese. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Cody! Oh, it's getting a late song, Get guys. us back on track! So, <laughs> first thing I want to say about this wine is holy dill, Batman. I have heard dill used as a descriptor for wines that are aged on American oak. And that's why I chose this particular bottle, because it was uh, specifically on the menu as listed as being aged in American oak. Because I thought it would be a fun thing to talk about tonight, a little bit. Um... I've heard dill being used as a descriptor for American oak, and I've never really encountered it in heavy quantities, but this is the first thing that I'm, I smelled as I even opened the bottle. It was just like, dill. It's like, it's this is actually a really fascinating Cab Sauv. Nicole pointed out that, what did you say? That this is like prepping for Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's like a mirepoix, pet, that prep that you do before, like... Stuffing the turkey, that's... Like... You know what, now that it's got a little air and I swirl it and smell it, it smells like a fresh cracked hazelnut. Oh! Doesn't it? Swirl it and smell it, it smells like a, like a, right when you crack it out of the shell. Oh yeah! To a T, to me. It smells like I just cracked a hazelnut. I'm still getting mad tarragon notes. <laughs> yeah, right. the tarragon is there, and then also, uh, tarragon. I'm getting, uh, you know, my comment in reply to her was like, this is clearly Slavic Thanksgiving because of... The bay the leaf. On the bay leaf. I, I'm getting dill and bay leaf and, and a little bit of that coconut character that's often associated with American oak. It's one of the reasons why I, I brought this bottle tonight is because Joey loves American oak. And I want him to kind of talk about, I'd love for him to talk about uh, the usage of American oak and, and when you might use it and flavor profiles and preference and why you prefer it more than 
French and with what? Well, I, I don't always prefer over French, but I love petite sirah and I grow it. So when I reach for something that's going to integrate with something so tannic and big, I will go for American oak. Cab saw, petite sirah, even sirah. Uh, stuff like Mauvedra and Grenache, I'd go French. But a lot of wines will get lost in American oak. Cab saw and petite sirah are big and tannic, and they usually will integrate well with American oak tannins, which are usually coconut and spice and, and, and if you did it to a lighter grape like Sangiovese or Grenache it would just overkill it and you would just taste oak. Yeah. But this uh, this is a very unique wine. I really do smell fresh crack nuts. Now that the dill and the uh, a little motor oil and a little bit of the morpois smell of like unroasted veggies. This is unique. Definitely unfiltered. Yeah, it's, it's cloudy, which is, again, not a bad thing. Filtering is, as you commented, a super expensive proposition, especially, especially for a small production winery. And I kind of like that unfiltered aspect. It gives it a more of a, a wild character. Yeah, more gamey, because, yeah, it would be considered a flaw, but for people like us that don't care if it's cloudy, if it tastes okay, it's fine. I mean, you know, cloudiness is, is I would argue... More thought of as a flaw these days because of market value. You know, you because all the big California wineries are pumping out these bottles that are like crystal clear and filtered. And, you know, back in the day, all wine was cloudy like this, probably. I'd imagine. Yeah, it took a lot of careful racking and a lot of good tannins to help those uh, proteins fall out of it, but... Relatively low alcohol, like this is too. Yeah, very, very light. There's twelve no... five. This I think is the lightest cab I've ever encountered that wasn't a rosé. Yeah, and it's not super in green. terms of tannins and and alcohol content. I'm this is a little motor oil too, in the back. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Not like like used motor oil, like well used, not old, but used. Yeah. Well, that from definitely a, sort of from a, from a Kia Sorento. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right? Old Chevy. Uh, maybe for three months, uh, high revving on the freeway. I don't know. <laughs> and, and we should also know that these, these descriptors are not necess- are not bad descriptors no, at all. Right. No, they're just trying to paint a picture. Paint a picture of what this wine tastes like to us. And these are descriptors that are used by psalms, and none of us are, are a psalm by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, a CSW. It's not a psalm. I'm only a certified psalm, which is a simple two-day... Same certified. Yeah. yeah. So technically, you guys outrank me in the psalm status. <laughs> but like I, I said, it's very song. basic. It's, it's like, this is a wine. It has alcohol. <laughs> very it's good! Better than, it's better than a... What's that credential? Uh, <laughs> can't even think of it right now. W set. Oh! <laughs> uh, maybe yeah. edit this out. Oh! No, 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 that's staying in because that shot's fucking fired. I hate Nicole. I don't like that Nicole girl. You want more deer? Yes, please. What did you think about this, Smalling? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I can't remember. I get those nuts, man. I, I smell. I don't get hazelnuts. I still get, like, Thanksgiving Day. Like. I'm getting also a little bit of, of menthol and, and eucalyptus. Just eucalyptus. eucalyptus, yeah. Like I just strong eucalyptus. I just ran through some fallen leaves of eucalyptus in California. That's the one that has eucalyptus groves around uh-huh. it, right? Very that everyone talks about. Like, Valley. Like, all the eucalyptus notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I gotta know why. You're yeah. right, though. Yeah, that menthol eucalyptus. Yeah, it, it smells like. Even though clearly there's probably no eucalyptus being grown within 
Well, there's maybe a thousand miles of this vineyard. I don't know because there is eucalyptus was brought to America for railroads, and then they discovered the wood is so weak it just cracked. But because it's from Australia, it's used to harsh environment. It grew all over the U.S. That's true. So maybe so there's could some be. growing in Alabama. I don't know. If it is, we're going to be... I've never... Well, that's not true. I was in Alabama when I was six. But... <laughs> Alabama is mobile and the, the, the coast. And, uh, and space camp. Right. Space camp. Yeah. I remember space I camp. I mixed them up. Very interesting. 30-foot tall eucalyptus trees in Alabama. Oh, okay. So yeah, where in Alabama? Uh, south. Across I was going to say, south, yeah, by Alabama. the coast. Surrounding fields of cotton and soybean. Eucalyptus trees are the latest in a series of experiments in Alabama aimed at promoting large-scale farming in the fast-growing Australian trees in the U.S. Huh. So maybe there are eucalyptus growing there. But then again, the question is, is is this eucalyptus character necessarily imparted by eucalyptus? Or is it actually a character of American oak? Because I don't get that... Eucalyptus menthol character in the Napa cabs and Sonoma cabs and Alexander Valley cabs mm. that I know are aged in French oak. This could be a rhetorical question here, obviously, but it's, that's neither. Well, I could there. say the same with with Stag's Leap. There's two Stag's Leaps, but the one that does the Petite Syrahs and the 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 older old school stuff from the 1800s, not just Cab and Merlot like the other one does. No offense, but uh, they do a lot of American oak with their Cab and their Petite. And I don't get a lot of eucalyptus there, but I don't see a lot of eucalyptus in Stag's Leap from when I've ever been, but who huh. knows. I do get a lot of the coconut and stuff, when, but but their barrels are made for them, so who knows? They're probably yeah. having them. I want it from this forest and toasted this way. I'll pay you 1200 Yeah, I, admittedly, I know nothing of the origin of this particular, the barrels that are used in this case. Unfortunately, I, I forgot to ask for a tech sheet when they mailed this. Uh, oops. Unlike anything I've really ever Yeah, this is a completely different cab solve. This is not like any other cab solve I have ever, I've never had ever experienced. Like this. this is super light. Um, it's yeah. almost like a... I would compare it to like a Sangio. Almost. Yeah, it looks like a Sangio <laughs> yeah. or a darker Pinot. It's light. <laughs> yeah. Very light, light garnet, super translucent. Which again, is, is something I normally would associate with Arizona with the heat. Right. Um, but, I mean, Alabama is definitely warm, but it doesn't get that same level of temperature that Arizona. I think it's 90 degrees humidity. and 90% humidity, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, So maybe. that might be with some of the, this herbaceous funk. And I wonder from... when they picked it, because it, it's so light, maybe it didn't get to its tannic potential. I don't know. But then again, maybe they, they couldn't, because they had to pick it Because earlier. of the humidity. Because of the humidity I mean, or caps... any other reason, or, or a hurricane, or what have you. Cab's a tough grape, but... Yeah, oh, Cab, uh, I love how it, uh, the opening of the book in, in Jancis Robinson, the Big Red Sacred Wine book, as I uh, have affectionately called it, it's described as the world's best traveled red wine variety, making concentrated tannic wines for particularly long aging. I do get a lot of herbs, too. Yeah, it's super herby. It's a lot of herbs on the finish. So. Yeah, I, but, like, I know. just chewed a little rosemary, and that tarragon maybe. I'm not getting much in the way of fruit at all. There's a little bit of fruit lurking in the shadows. Yeah, like a like a like an old plum. But it's you mentioned tannins too, and there's not a lot of tannins. Yeah, it's structure. not super tannic. No, and I think that's because at twelve five it probably wasn't phenolically right as a wine grower. I don't think, and like you said, there could have been reasons for that—a hurricane or too much humidity—or they wanted it that way. Yeah. 
Who knows? I mean, so much of wine is, is the winemaker's choice, which is not a bad thing. And I would prefer it, on many cases, to be winemaker's choice versus market choice. Because the market is a fickle beast. So use a euphemism that I would rather not use because I have much more vile euphemisms in store for the market. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, and that's just coming from, from dealing with tasting room, coming from so many of the wines that I see in, you know, being sold in markets that are, are all the same and all boring. This is different. This is unique, which makes this actually really interesting and exciting to, to see. And I also get some of that sort of uh, almost like, I, 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 so hard to describe uh, this character, but it's a character that I definitely, when I taste it, makes me think of southeastern wines and eastern wines, that sort of musky character that makes me think of, of moist. Yeah, very humid uh, climate. Of humid climates, and, you know, I get it in a lot of Missouri wines, I get it in Kansas wines, I got it in um, another wine from the deep south that We've recorded on this podcast before that I can't remember because lots of wine in at this point. Now, I, I don't necessarily like this, I'll be honest, but I find this wine fascinating. Extremely fascinating. It's unlike anything I've ever had. Unique. And, yeah. and so, I mean, as far as like a pairing goes with it, there's not the tannin structure or the acidity to really go. Yeah, that's the other weird thing about this. There's no acidity. But at the same time, so many low-acidity wines are described by this disparaging term of flabby. And when you taste a wine that you would describe as flabby, you know it. Right. There is no hiding that character. It literally is, like, wobbly almost. And this and, is a very impressionable wine. I'm never going to forget that I've yeah. tried this. But it doesn't have that flabby character, even no. though it doesn't have the acidity. Which um, is weird and cool. Weird and cool. I would pair it with braised lamb for sure. I would go that route. Yeah. I would go Telegio route. I hate Telegio, but you're right. This would work with Telegio. You got those like the uh, Brevibacterium that would that goes with this kind of funky wine and would create something beautiful. I think. Yeah, this is this is quirky and, and fun and interesting. And again, uh, it's so unique. And I wonder. You know, I almost got also the... So they had, uh, that I saw online for sale, they also had a Hungarian oak barrel and uh, uh, a French oak barrel with the cab. Same vintages, uh, 2013, and then also 2014. Um, if I had had the funding, I would have gotten all of them to drink side by side because that would have been a really fun exploration. But uh, uh, unfortunately, I am on a budget. Uh, if you want to support me, uh, we do have a Patreon now. Uh, look up Make America Grape Again on Patreon. Give me money for bottles. <laughs> that was a little bit much, but if you... No, leave it in. If you, if you feel inclined and you like our work, uh, support us on Patreon. And by us, I mean me and the people that I share this wine with. Um, because it does tend to vary from podcast to podcast and that sort of thing. I lost my train of thought, which is pretty standard for me. <laughs> Final Wait, thoughts, Joey? Yeah. Final thoughts? Uh, I would love to see what their newer vintages are like versus the older vintages, because being this is almost six years old, I'm really curious if there's maybe more fruit on the newer ones, or maybe they've 
done uh, riper picks with higher alcohol, or I'd love to pick their brain and see why it was 12 and a half. But overall, it's not flawed. It's just unique, and it's very light. Um, as Cody said, it's not something I would reach for, but it's not flawed. It's just very unique. The most unique cab I've had in a long time. Now, the thing also that, that occurs to me is that, you know, these vineyards were planted 2005? So, yeah, they've got They're roots. young vines. Yeah, but they've, they've got roots. I mean... Character for sure. Different. Very different. Very unique. Um, very light for a cab. Yeah. What about you? Final thoughts? <laughs> um, thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, I, I don't think it's too terrible. Yeah, so this is um, not the worst that I've ever had, but um, like the both of you, I probably wouldn't grab for it either. What about you, Nicole? Final thoughts? Super herbaceous and like... What's up, guys? Hello. <laughs> Wait, interrupt the You got so many edits, you have to... Wait, to interrupt the fucking podcast, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> this is oh, JD, shit. JD. My bad. Cody, Sorry. Molly, Joey. No, 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 no. Blow up a glass. <laughs> you got yeah, yeah, yeah. You're inflicting on this now. <laughs> You've made your entrance known. All right. You've made your entrance known. We do like to back down. We need the opinion of a of a of a newcomer now. Yeah, yeah. We need the opinion oh, of a meat cutter. What's Go ahead. Somebody who's not into Joey uh, wines. Uh, I'm Cody. Wait, hold on. Let me actually give you the right hand to shake with here. JD. JD, nice to meet you. Uh, so what we're drinking right now, JD, is the 2013 Cabernet Sauvignon. From uh, Morella Vineyards in Alabama, and uh, like to hear your thoughts on it. Oh boy! As a consumer who, who's not in the wine industry, yeah, and nothing's wrong. Whatever you smell and taste is yeah. There's no wrong answers here. It smells great. What does it remind you of? What are you getting from it? Any herbs? Any Open nuts? Any fruit? We didn't get a lot of fruit on it. None. I I honestly don't get any fruit. It's like herbal. Yes. Totally. Nailed it. Yes, we, we all agree on that. Super light. Yes. This guy's a psalm. <laughs> <laughs> Level three. Yeah. Level three psalm, GD. Yeah. Working in the uh, butchery, a butchery because that's the only thing you can do with level three psalm. <laughs> I think it's light. It drinks really smooth. Um, no spice. No, no heavy bite to the end. It's really airy. I think it's nice. It's something really I, w- I would sip on. Do you get dill? I don't get a lot of dill. What do you get? Do you get cracked hazelnuts? Leading! Leading! I smell cracked nuts and maybe a little olive juice. I could see that. Olive juice, I, I definitely yeah, get. Briny. Yeah, yeah, olive juice. Yeah, exactly. Briny, bro. Now, it's interesting to I... say briny because from what I know of Alabama geology, this area is a ancient seafloor. Yes. So, uh, exactly. Cretaceous seafloor. Uh, there's actually a dinosaur that was found eroded that was washed into the ancient seabed. And one of the best mosasaur specimens came from Alabama and blah, blah, blah. So, the briny character... Yeah, that's the the funk that I was talking about earlier. That sort of, mm-hmm. and it's really bitter. Super unique to anything like cab related, though. Like, yeah, definitely. I think that's cool that you picked up on those things. Everything that, we that we've been talking about, about. <laughs> right away. Yeah. 
So it's there. Therefore, Very, you know that we're actually not full of shit here in the Make America Great Again <laughs> so podcast. We know our things. And give them money so we can get more of these wines so we can taste them. Yeah. Yo, Effie's Oat Cakes. Sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, please sponsor us. Riedel, where you at? <laughs> Riedel, where you at, bro? Yeah, we could use some glasses we too. We could use some professional glassware. We'd like to thank Page Springs Vineyards for providing our glassware. Oh, well, yep, I have PSC. So wine fest. Yeah. Sedona wine fest. Yeah, Sedona wine fest for us too. So final thoughts for, for you, Nicole, that, that you were interrupted in with, with JD? I apologize. <laughs> um, no, that's going to be great. It is. I was just thinking, that's going to be good. You know what? Overall, as a conversation piece, I think this wine is great. It's very unique. It's something that I've never had before. It's something. It's a Cabernet unlike anything else I've ever had. Is there a ton of tannic structure, acidity? No. Is there anything that you would normally associate with Cabernet Sauvignon in this wine? Not really. Barely. No. Which I think, again, is making this wine really fascinating. So as, in terms of like conversation piece, in terms of an experience, I would definitely recommend trying it. Trying maybe, as Joey said, like a newer vintage. Seeing if like some of the acidity is there, some of the alcohol is there. Some of the fruit. But pairing it with... Braised lamb, yeah. Telegio, everything Cody hates. Hey, 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 I like lamb. <laughs> Braised lamb. <laughs> I mean, this is like, you wouldn't even need to marinate that lamb. You just drink this wine yeah. with the lamb and you're good to go. Well, we're going to leave you with the coyotes howling outside. Speaking of braised lamb, we've been apparently talking about lamb too loud. And they're hungry. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Uh, oh, wait. We, you, we all need wine in your glasses here for this because this is the final toast. You okay. have some there. You have enough? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit here. So if you guys want to come in here for the final toast, that's a tradition. Hey, guys. Let's make America grape again. Cheers. Cheers. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at theazwinemonk, or on Twitter at cvburkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com.